0: To the Real Movies Podcast. My name is Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? We talk about documentaries on this podcast. Every week we pick a documentary, we watch it, we discuss it, we talk about what we like, what we didn't like, and at the end of the show, we'll give it a one to ten rating, one being the worst, ten being the best. This week it's episode twenty-six, and we're talking about the 2012 documentary, The Queen of Versailles. My name is David Siegel. My name is Jack Siegel. I am the founder, CEO of the largest timeshare company in the world.
1: I'm a 43-year-old mother of
0: eight.
1: I thought she was the most beautiful girl in the world.
0: It took me a while to fall in love with him.
1: We have a great relationship.
0: There's 30 years between us, but he doesn't need Viagra. At least there is that option if he does, like, I don't know if 10 years from now.
1: We never sought out to build the biggest house in America. It just kind of happened. It's bigger than the White House. Two tennis courts. 30 bathrooms. Full-size baseball field. 10 kitchens.
0: Antique furniture. 90,000 square feet.
1: Oh, my God. No, that's not my room. That's my closet. No
0: way. Nothing's really normal about this life. We're in line to do a billion dollars in sales for the year. We're on top of the world. And it came to a screeching halt.
1: The market fell over 700 points. I would say it's touch and go right now. We don't talk about financial
0: problems. I guess I'll have to watch the movie to find out <laughs> what's going on in my life. Well, everything changes. This is almost like a Rich to rags Rag story. She knows we need to cut back, but she's still compulsive.
1: <laughs> what time is it now? Well, if I could afford a watch, I would tell you. This documentary was uh,
0: very interesting. Okay, don't tip your hand too early because like I did with Sherman's March, although I guess I just tipped your hand for you. (laughs) Sorry.
1: No, no, no. I mean I think this this documentary was – this documentary has a lot of challenges because I think what ended up happening was the the documentary, the filmmaker, was going in for one thing and – Similar to Sherman's March, it changes, but but more because of the circumstance and less because of their own personal preference to find themselves existentially.
0: Yeah, the the documentarian's boyfriend didn't break up with her, and she right. didn't go on an existential journey about what it all means. the The Siegel family went broke. Right. Well, not went broke necessarily, but they they lost. And I, I guess okay. I, by saying that, I'm getting ahead of us. But so go ahead. All
1: right. So so basically, the the film originally was set out to. Um, showcase the the Siegel family, David Siegel and his wife
0: Jackie, and their seven kids, their
1: brood of kids. They've got a millions. I don't
0: even know. And the um, the original intent of the documentary, correct me if I'm wrong, was was to document the building of what would become the single yes. largest single family house in in the United States. Right,
1: a ninety thousand square foot uh, replica
0: of the Palace of Versailles. Um. And they they had in Florida, in Orlando, like within, yeah. like they had an observation deck built so they could watch the Disney world fireworks. Like Everything that was the my, big yeah. feature of the house. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, there was, I, the, the house is, is just beyond
0: all ridiculousness. Right. And they called the house and, Versailles, which, yeah. which is where we get the title of the film. And
1: uh, so, I mean, this guy is, is, he made all of his money in timeshares and he is a mogul of timeshares. Westbrook and Resorts is that the name Westgate. of his Westgate Westgate, Westgate Resort. Resorts. Yeah. So he owns this major company. He's worth billions. He's spending more than a hundred million dollars on his house, and um, you know there is no
0: expense spared. He has. We should say the hundred million dollars is just in the construction of the house. Right. That doesn't cover the property value.
1: Right, and then there's. He's got $5 million worth of marble floors from, uh, you know, this really ridiculous marble, I guess. I think they actually got it from China. But it was, I mean, there's just, it's just one opulent thing after another. And so the documentarian is kind of going into this thing showing, you know, this beat that has not been done before. This this house, this building that this family is going to turn around and live in. Mm-hmm. And um and then two thousand eight stock market crashes and he quickly becomes cash poor. Yeah. Like he has he has all of these loans and he has all of these things and so I mean he has all of these loans and all of his money tied up and he cannot he can't pay for his mortgages he can't pay some of his employees he can't do any of that kind of stuff so
0: and the primary yeah. thing that keeps coming back is is that the the single thing that's kind of pulling everybody down is this new property in Las Vegas um that in where, where I, I guess he's trying to compete with Donald Trump in and that that becomes sort of the albatross around his neck, and and it's yeah. it's mentioned several times throughout the film that if he will release this one property to the bank, everything will go back to normal.
1: Oh, I think definitely he's trying to compete with Donald Trump. I think in every aspect of his life, he is competing. with uh, Donald Absolutely, Trump. yeah, and and, and even, you you as so much as to say that he is the backer behind the Miss America pageant, whereas Donald Trump is the backer behind the Miss USA pageant. Yeah, and so I mean. He he definitely has this competition thing going with with Donald Trump.
0: Well, and you can you can definitely see like the resentment that Trump is doing so much better than he. I mean, you know, I mean, there's there's a, there's an element of denial, but there's also like towards the end as as Siegel becomes a little bit more embittered, like you definitely there's anger there, and I think a lot of that anger is like how come you know why why is this has this become so hard for me? Right, and I, I'm sure there's an element of that of why is why isn't it harder for Trump? You know what I mean? Because they they are quite similar. In, oh yeah yeah yeah. In life and in mentality. I mean,
1: even Trump makes most of his money through real estate and property, and Westgate makes most of his money through real estate and property. But, yeah. I mean, there and. And they both are staunch supporters of the Republican Party and try to think that they are more important in the Republican Party than they probably really are.
0: Yeah, there there is one line that uh, Siegel offers up pretty early on. Basically, he said – in- Keep in mind he's in Florida, and he he claims that he is single-handedly responsible for the election of George W. Bush in 2000. Right. Which – and we talked about this before we started recording. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like delusions of grandeur. However, knowing that he's in Florida, knowing how much power and money he has and knowing that Florida was the swing state, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he's absolutely right.
1: Right. When he said that, I rolled my eyes, and then I read some of what has been claimed that he did, and – um. And, and yeah, so he might actually not be too far off. Basically, the story says that he gave a survey to every one of his employees, and if they said they liked George W. Bush, he had them register and go vote. And if they said that they liked Al Gore, he didn't do any of that. He <laughs> didn't, like, give them access to voting or whatever. I mean, he didn't give them the day off. He didn't give them – um voting registration papers, anything like that. But he just made sure everybody that was going to vote for George W. Bush did. And when you have thousands of employees and the election is won by less than that many votes in your state, in your state, yeah, then yeah, you probably did have some impact on the election. Probably, probably so. And, and, um, and this is the same guy that, um, in the 2012 election made news for telling his employees that he would have to lay them off if Obama was reelected.
0: Yeah, that was that. I, I just read that this morning. I like that's and all this stuff is sort of not in. It's peripheral to the to the film that we're talking about, but it is kind of interesting. Like it does sort of develop this guy's character. Right. This guy at the beginning of the movie, I, I didn't hate this guy. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah, like like. At, at his, it's interesting the way the way the movie is set up. The first half of the movie or the first third of the movie really is about like their exuberant wealth. How everything they do. They take the kids everywhere they take the kids, they go in limos, they they travel on a private jet, blah, 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 blah. Every everything is over the top and big and expensive. And then the the bottom falls out and they start having to live like normal lives. And that sort of becomes the reality show element of it. Yeah. And well I mean uh, as
1: normal of a life as you can live in a seventeen thousand square foot uh, mansion on a peninsula in Florida with with only three housekeepers instead yeah, of sixteen with with having to downsize your
0: house staff from twenty five to five right you know. and and so that but but at the beginning like you kind of get the sense that he's the hard worker he's the visionary and he's earned his money he's pulled himself up by his bootstraps and Jackie the, who is really the main subject of the film yeah. Uh, is sort of like this vapid trophy wife who all she does is sit around and spend money. Like that's the initial impression you get. And what's really interesting, the, and the thing that I really connected to in this movie is at some point along the way, the two of them switch places, and he becomes like this dehumanized, m- like money hungry guy, and she actually shows herself to be a lot more of substance than than you originally thought she would be.
1: Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't quite get her substance. Uh, I'm not sure. That I'm going to have to tip my hand, but. um, Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'm not sure that there is a character that we have had that I have disliked more than Jackie
0: Billy freaking Mitchell. I might take Billy.
1: I might if I had to hang out with somebody for an afternoon. I might hang out with Billy. Oh Michael
0: no way, him, no way. Jackie. Okay, I will defend Jackie Siegel, and uh-huh. here's why. She, she, she is the eternal optimist in this movie because no matter how bad it gets, and and the thing is, like you expect, she's a trophy wife. She's but you know she's obviously oblivious.
1: Like she is literally oblivious. But that's not to her fault. Thing that goes. on.
0: It's not her. George David has totally kept her in the dark. That's 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 one of the final scenes of the movie. Is like there has Having, like this conversation, she said, "I have no idea. I mean, I, I realized we were in hard times. I had no idea it was this bad. He has totally kept her on the outside.
1: But you don't, you don't think that if you're having to go shop at Walmart and you've never had to go shop at Walmart before for your Christmas presents, that you should maybe not buy yourself a two thousand dollar ten of caviar? Look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying <laughs> yes. she's perfect. No,
0: I, I mean, I, I don't even, I don't, even, I'm I, okay." I'm just saying she's better than Billy Mitchell. I, that that's that's where I'm going with this. She, I, mean, okay.
1: I could at least learn some Donkey Kong tips from Billy Mitchell. Like I can't learn anything from this lady.
0: She she's trying. She's trying to make the best out of a bad situation. A tr- in that situation, if she is a true trophy wife, the moment she finds out he's broke or that they're they're going broke, she's gone. You know what I mean? However. She doesn't. Not only does she stay, she does it with optimism. She comes – she tries to help make dinner, which is a disaster, and she I, – I mean she's not good at it because she's never had to do it before. However, she's trying. You know? She she loves her kids. She's doing what she can.
1: She she on tape loves her kids, but how much of a mother is she? She basically like – No, no, no. She's no. like she, – she literally says – I have all these kids because I have somebody else to take care of yes, them. Yes,
0: th- that was not a great moment. I'm not again. I'm not I mean, saying she's perfect. <laughs> There's a lot of problems here, but I, I think at the end of the day, she is a flawed but sympathetic character.
1: Oh, I have I have very little sympathy for her. Like I, I have some some part of me says that people who are in the dark want to be in the dark and want to stay in the dark, and she is one of those people that the truth is. Is too much for her to handle, so she will stay in her own made-up world within her head because that's easier for her to deal with than to face the truth of what's really happening.
0: Well, sure, but, I mean, isn't that true of all of us? I mean the reason, the reason Jackie is so, A, sympathetic and, B, difficult to deal with is because she's us. Like she – I mean on a, on a grand scale, but she is – I mean th- this, this is a movie that documents very well how this recession has affected everybody. And it's a good reflect. I mean, it's it's used in a big cartoonish way by going to the most wealthy people in America. However, there is a part of this that that we see ourselves. Like, how many of us? How many how many people do you know who have credit cards who,
1: oh, I mean, who spend
0: money that they don't have? Right, right. And so, I mean, how Jackie is just a bigger, more cartoonish version of everybody you know who has credit card debt.
1: Oh my gosh, she is a cartoon though. Like, and part of that is that, like, her. Her entire body is made up of not her entire body.
0: Well, and this is like, something else where I took her side over David because she – several times in the film, they talk about how – and they say it as a joke. Like, oh, they're this old oh, – David don't... said when I turn 40, he's going to turn me in for two twenty 20-year-olds. Then when I turn 60, I'm going to get three twenty 20-year-olds. Oh,
1: I don't think it's a joke.
0: No, and see, that's the thing. Even if it is a joke, even if she takes – and that's the thing. She takes all this stuff in a very lighthearted mm-hmm. way. Um, and part of it is because there's a little bit of obliviousness there. Right. But the thing is she, she tries her best to take everything in a positive way. But that's a horrible thing to say to somebody. Oh, yeah. Like I don't care who you are. That's that's why she keeps getting all these like procedures done because there is a part of her that believes this guy because he's done it twice before that eventually he's going to trade her in for a younger model. And quite frankly, if he hadn't gone broke, he probably would have already. Oh,
1: I, I, I think so too. And I think – I mean I don't know if they have – I'm sure he's smart enough to have a prenuptial agreement by his third one, but he may be looking at it as the divorce would cost me too
0: much. Well, quite frankly, he probably had a prenuptial agreement on the first one because we find out at at a certain point that his oldest son from his first marriage, Richard,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that Richard grew up poor, even though his dad had millions of dollars, and that Richard says, "Dad never sent us any money. Every once a year, he sent us money for clothes, so we were poor. We and we had to like go get swamp water." Yet we were really well-dressed kids at school. Right. And so that's something – that to me painted David in a really dark way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so so the fact that he was able to do that in his first marriage tells me he's probably gotten smarter as he's gotten richer.
1: Yeah.
0: And so he could conceivably probably drop all seven of these kids and Jackie with no consequences whatsoever. Yeah,
1: and and it's really weird because – the, the movie opens up and Jackie is over the top Jackie and she's sitting there, typical trophy wife, like in his lap and posing and everything's about Jackie and, and she's telling all of her accomplishments and he's just like smug and just, you know, I'm doing, the, you ask me why do I build the biggest house in the world uh, or the biggest house in the United States because I can. Yeah. And I mean, he's just real like smug and, and just um, very composed. The first bit of joy and excitement, I mean, like, true excitement that we see from this guy is when these 20-year-olds from the Miss America pageant come to his house. That was grotesque. And and all of a sudden, there is this light in his eye when he's talking to these girls like, hey, ladies. I mean, it is is awkward because you have him and his wife sitting there, and you don't really have – you have him and his wife sitting there, and then – and he's he's literally hitting on all of these women.
0: Specifically the winner. Yes. Who he basically offers a, like, oh, she should marry me kind of thing that old men do. Yeah. And it's I, so creepy. It is It is
1: too creepy. And so that's when I first got the vibe of this guy is really a creeper. And, uh, and then come to find out later on, he, according to his Wikipedia, according to the Wikipedia page, he was – Involved in a sexual harassment lawsuit that he lost in which he literally offered somebody the indecent proposal, $1 million to
0: sleep with him. And after seeing this documentary, there is not one bit of that story that surprises me. Nope. At all. And there's very little doubt that I have that it's true. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I don't
1: know, because it doesn't get really into the the lawsuit and whether he settled out of court or whether he um, was literally found guilty of doing it, but – I I, I would bet any day that that is probably one hundred percent true. That mm-hmm. he offered somebody a million dollars. Yeah. So.
0: There, I think there are so many things. There are so many interesting things about this movie, and I I kind of can't believe you didn't like it because the whole time, I'm I'm just I'm I'm totally sucked in. And really, the thing that got I mean, obviously, the thing that interested me about this movie the most is the thing that makes this movie interesting. Is that is is when they go from rich to poor. Yeah. And so that. That is an interesting story, you know. I mean, this isn't. I think in in my mind, like the King of Kong, this is one of those stories. Like, if if you hadn't, if if you had made this up and written it as a scripted film, it would have totally worked because because it's one of the. It definitely has like structure and movement, and it's funny because it happened totally by accident. The documentarians had no intention of making that movie.
1: Well, and and that's where I think that some of this is lost on me because the movie itself starts out with one goal in mind. And then, because of their circumstance, it it has to change. And I don't know that that they had the goal or purpose to like where do we go with this and what do we do? like like what is what is our point or our goal here at the end? and how is this story supposed to be told? Because at the end, we're kind of left with by the end of this movie, the the economy is actually kind of recovering, so do we tell. That they bounce back? Do we tell like what do they do? That kind of thing? And and even so far as in like uh David Siegel is suing the production company for not putting in a line that basically says they turned it all back around. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know. I'm it it seems to me like the documentarian got lost within the story because the story kept changing and I don't get a clear picture. I mean, is this, is this a story of total opulence or is this a story of riches to rags or is this a story of how the 1% live or is this a story about banks and the housing market because they actually try to dive into that but don't really get into it very good or is this a story about how somebody treats their housekeepers and, and like, the issue behind the issue behind immigrants within the country, or I mean like there 's all these things that are thrown in and then just kind of abandoned.
0: oh no, I totally disagree i think I think it works perfect i i I really really responded to this film, and I, I mean in my mind, what this movie is about it 's about how we begin this story by looking at these people who live lives that none of us would ever ever. Live on any level, and then by the end of the movie, they're exactly where the worst of us are you know and when I say the worst of us, I mean the people who have been hurt the most by this recession you know I mean in a certain an emotional I mean,
1: in, way well maybe in an emotional way, but I mean they're still they're still i mean yeah they're, they're still
0: Filthy rich. Yeah, they still live I in a mean- big house, and he still has an option to sell the Las Vegas property and go back to normal. But they are, they're it, this is this is hurting their marriage. Which yeah. I mean, obviously, okay. a lot of people are having. You know that 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 happens. I mean, in fact, uh, statistics show that the thing that hurts marriages more than anything isn't a, an affair; it's money problems. Okay. And so, and and so, you sort of get to see how this guy really feels, not just about like life in general, but about his wife and his kids. And and so, I, I feel like. I feel like there there were certain scenes that I was like, I cannot believe they let them film this because these are very raw. Like there's a scene where Jackie goes to take him dinner to, and, and she yeah, asks him yeah. and, and it just – and and the camera stays out in the hall the whole time and the daughter comes in. and She starts yelling at her dad like she's – like she's defending her mom, telling him like you are being so rude. She's trying to – she's trying to bring you dinner. She spent all day working on this and like you're ignoring her and, and the whole time we're like voyeuristically in the hallway – with the camera, like, and I I could not believe we were allowed in on this. But the thing is, when when you peel back all the money and all the layers, you realize like th- there is something totally human about this group of people. You know? Yeah. And as unlikable as they might be at certain points, specifically David, there is something incredibly human here going on. And and that's the I think that's the story is that if you look hard enough, you and if you watch this movie with this sense of this could have been me. You know, like and, and Anyway, go go ahead. Yeah, I
1: mean it it could have, but it goes to show like – I mean for me, I was just sitting there going, these are terrible parents because they're stuck at work and not – like this guy is so just completely consumed by his work to get to the place that he is that he does not know his own children. Mm Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Which happens in
1: every neighborhood all across I'm, the I'm world. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it, like it it does, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't like at least like that's an issue that I want to address. Like that's something that I understand that it's just documenting that this happens, but like that that needs to be touched on more. Of hey, look, here is somebody who is about to have the largest home in America. And has all of these kids, but doesn't know any of them, yeah, you know he doesn't have a relationship with any of his kids, and even his kids are like i don't see my dad very like i don't talk to my dad very often I mean they don't know they don't know they're it's like they're being it's like they're being raised by somebody else, and he's just the one that's providing all of the The stuff for them
0: but there's a total intentional irony i think in the mind of the filmmaker in doing that because there's a scene where richard is giving a pep talk to his staff who's who sells timeshares and he says he talks about how you're 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 like a doctor you're like a fireman because you're giving people you're selling people family vacations and family vacations you're saving marriages you're saving their lives because it reduces heart like heart attack rates and and so he's he's there he is selling this thing that he doesn't want you know what i mean like he, on, he's on a, selling yeah this family closeness and peace of mind that he in no way has any interest in participating in himself well on
1: i i will say that i found that to be almost the single most interesting scene in the entire
0: movie that was a really good scene be- i thought
1: because for years i've thought how how do you motivate people to do certain things like Like, I am not a salesman. I don't do – because there's a lot of times where if I'm trying to sell you something and somebody's like, well, yeah, but this isn't – then I'd be like, yeah, you're not right. You're right. You don't need that. Mm -hmm. You know, like if somebody gives me a good reason as to why they shouldn't buy something, I'm probably like, you're probably right. You don't need it. You know, and that is not how these people – I mean the last thing anybody needs is to pay monthly on a property that you can use once a week every other year, right? It's a terrible investment. In a town that is not your own. Like, you have to get yourself there. You have all this money invested. If you took that money and saved it, you could go on a really good vacation every year. I mean, there's a million things. There are a million reasons why you don't buy a timeshare. But, so how do you sell the timeshare? How do you get other people to sell the timeshare? Is money and greed the only thing? And no, we see that this guy gets his employees to buy in and believe that they are doing they are doing a service. They're making the world a better place. They are making the world a better place by every sell that they get. Yeah. And and you know, their commission structure probably helps them out as well. But like But if, that's how you don't feel dirty about right, it. If you don't believe that you're doing something worthwhile, like you will quit your job mm-hmm. because you don't feel like it's worth anything. Yeah, but if you can get some kind of value in what you do and feel like, hey, look, I helped other people, you will you will sell with a passion that that other people can't. Yeah. So I mean, I, I found that that was that was really really interesting to me that he got his staff and and employees to like. Just get really excited about scamming people.
0: Yeah, and and so I feel like there is a disparity between that. Like he, they are selling this thing that they don't even have, even though they have everything. In oh, fact, when right, right. when they're when Jackie's giving a tour of the house that will never be finished, um, they she she says, "Here's the where the kids will live, and if I want to go visit the children, she uses the yes. word. I mean, this is something that came out of her mouth. Just without any thinking about it. If I if I wanted to go visit the children, sorry, um, I would I would go up these stairs and yeah. and she like you mentioned earlier, she talks about how she never would have had this many kids if she thought she was going to have to raise them herself.
1: Right, but when she found out you can have a nanny, yeah, and and that's something else that I think we got to talk about out of this film. There is there is a nanny that is um, from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, this is sad, and she raises the kids. And the kids tell her – the the nanny is like, they tell me that they love me, and that's something that my own kids have never told me because she came over from the Philippines to try and get money to send back over to them, and she left her kids when they were seven, and and then now they're 20 years old. But her own kids don't know their mother. She's sending them as much money as she can, but it's still not enough to really – Take care of them, yeah, and and there's there's a scene that basically the maid asks the seagulls, "Can I live in your in your kids' playhouse?" Yeah, that they don't use anymore. The kids' playhouse was big enough for this lady to make a home, and
0: yep. so it's about the size of a college dorm room, yeah, which is plenty for you know a person who doesn't have this much stuff. So you know? when
1: she decides, hey. Um, you know, my I I need some place to to be and some place to live, and the kids are like, oh, that we don't ever play in that thing. She goes and lives in. It. I mean, it's it's the equivalent of literally living in a giant doghouse. I mean,
0: it's, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: it it's just so weird, and that's another thing is like we don't see this relationship between the nanny and the seagulls. When that nanny is really responsible for the upbringing of these kids and 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 their kids just become this plaything, like to Jackie, her own kids are just like this plaything that she can get a hug from and she can see their energy and that kind of stuff, and then she leaves and goes and
0: you know buys a dress for a charity a charity luncheon. Right. But that that does change. You know, as as the staff gets reduced, she's like th- there's the yeah. scene where she finds the dead lizard and she has to like kind of parent her kids for a few minutes and be like you killed your your pet, you know? And she's she's visibly upset by that. And so there 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 are these scenes where she sort of, sort of starts seeing see, the life that's been around her the whole time. She's beginning to see it for the very first time. And we're there for it. You know, like we're in yeah. And that is so fascinating. And another thing, and I'm just—I I mean, I feel like I have to defend her because you're—you know, yeah,
1: I—I—I I, I can't stand somebody
0: her. has to defend Jackie. And so, but there, there's the scene where she she does she she does this charity drive, even even though they are in bad shape, she does this charity drive specifically to benefit the employees who have been laid off by her husband. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, quite frank. And again, she's not perfect. The whole visit my children, and I mean, she. She, she wants to live in a way that I, I can't even begin to, un, to understand, but the fact that she would take this stuff that she has acquired and, and give it away so that the people who have less than her – like specifically who have been affected, essentially she's saying I realize what we have is bad. What's going on right now is not good, but I recognize even in the midst of that that the people who used to work for my husband are in way worse shape than we are, and it hurts me. And that, that to me really that, – that, that won me over. For her, that yeah, that yeah. one scene, I thought that was really touching.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, she does things like that, and then she turns around and when she's shopping for Christmas, right, and she has no idea. She is literally just throwing things in a basket. The right? Walmart trip and, was
0: difficult to watch. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and she comes home with literally three Monopoly games. I like Monopoly as much as the next guy, but I don't need three Monopoly games. Like, yeah. Like it wasn't good that they could just have one Monopoly game for the family. They had to have three. Like when are you ever going to get three of those out?
0: I was thinking that same thing. Like is this, is this so your kids don't have to learn to share? Is, I, like like I, you, I you just have multiples of everything?
1: But yeah, and then, and then they're walking in these bicycles from the car. And oh. as they walk in, they go through the garage, and I swear to you, there are at least 20 bicycles. I think that's conservative. Of, they're of, probably more than that. Every shape and size. I know that they have eight kids. I know that if they have eight kids and staff, and so maybe if everybody needed to go on a bike ride…
0: Those bikes have not been ridden no, ever.
1: There are There are bike after bike after bike after bike, and they're pulling another bike in from the car that is going to sit in this pile and, and never do anything.
0: Mm-hmm. But again… I, I go back to the argument of this, those this. kids this. would rather ride their segues that they were riding at the beginning of the movie. Oh, that, w- which is <laughs> yeah. unreal. Yeah, the things that these kids have is, is unbelievable. And they're absolutely spoiled brats, or at least that's how they're portrayed mm-hmm. in the film. And, and granted, we spend about as much time with them as Jackie does. Yeah. But, so we we really don't know them all that well. But – but going back to the argument of this is just a greater, like a big cartoonish reflection of us. Like how many, how many times? Like the, I moved a couple of years ago and packing boxes in a house that I'd only lived in for a couple of years, I found stuff that I was like, I can't believe I still have that. You know what I mean? And so, and you watch the show Hoarders, and you don't, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? And so, you don't have to be wealthy to have an excess of things that you don't need. And so, this again, I, I think, I think the seagulls are just a caricature. Of everyone, and so what? Ha- what happens? And there, there is one scene where where David says, "I didn't save anything." You know, like he talks about yeah. how like the reason, and you you think like, how in the world could they be in this bad of shape? He's been making this much money. It's because he saved nothing. He spent every dollar that he's gotten, or Jack, Jackie has spent every dollar that he's gotten. Yeah, because he he never had a moment of, it might start raining one day, and we need to buy an umbrella. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and. I mean, the fact that he even says the kids may have to even go to college now and and work for themselves. Yeah. Like, because he had the idea and the mindset that I would – my money – Will not only provide for me but for my kids forever, which is
0: totally if he 's not saving anything then when he's dead they're 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 broke anyway right if he's spending everything that comes in there's there there's no i mean unless unless, un- un- unless they inherit yeah. Westgate, you right. know what I mean, which I assume somebody will but but that's still i mean that's not an i mean he, you can't just say okay you you will now all seven of you will be the executor i mean it becomes a rest of development at that point yeah, yeah, yeah. and so um, which actually several times my wife and I watching this, we were like, "This is this is like the reality of Arrested Development," except instead of yeah. instead of going to jail, he just goes broke, yeah. and what happens there, you know? And so, um, anyway, I, I found this movie endlessly fascinating, and I w- I would probably rewatch it. I think this is a great document of this recession. I, I feel like I feel like this shows us from from an interesting point of view how this recession has played out.
1: Yeah, and see, I if if we weren't doing this for the podcast, I'd have turned it off.
0: Seriously? Yeah,
1: I would. I mean, it was making me so mad, like just, just everything. And this is why. Don't get me wrong. I love America, but this is every reason that every, that other people hate America.
0: Of course, it is. But it's this is a giant mirror. This is you and the gifts, the things that we hate about the seagulls. People in other countries hate about us.
1: Yes, yes, and that's what. And it just it just frustrates me. I just want to yell at them. Open your eyes to to reality.
0: Mm-hmm. People
1: do not live like this. This is and there is nothing wrong with if you have made some money to have a little bit of luxury in your life, to have some you know some things that are just for you. I don't begrudge anybody for doing that. I do begrudge people for only looking to themselves. I mean, this guy has literally made. Billions of dollars, and his biggest contribution, charity-wise, is the Miss America pageant. Yeah,
0: and I have well, been- no, I can I cannot
1: defend Seagull. I, I mean, I have some major issues with. Okay, look, if I've got to give some of this money to charity, I might as well give it to beautiful people. Yeah, I mean, I might as well find the fifty most pretty girls and, um, you know, give it to them because they're gonna hurt. They're yeah, gonna, they're gonna be really like. These girls that spend thousands and thousands of dollars to enhance their own looks, they they need some more money.
0: Yeah, David Siegel I can't defend. I'm I I I in my mind he is the antagonist of this movie. And but but in that in that vein, I feel like Jackie is the protagonist. I, I feel like she is I feel like this recession has made her better and it's made him worse. And so that, that to me was an interesting turn because you, you would not expect that to be the way it is. You, you would expect the guy who has made his fortune to, to be like, to, I will accept this challenge. Like I, I built it once. I'll build it again. And in a certain way he does. But also he's, he's so angry and embittered. And they, in fact, one, at one point, the documentarian asked him, are you happy? And he says no. Like, and, yeah. and he talks about like, do you see your marriage as a partnership? Mm-hmm. No, it's like having another child and it's because he made it that way. Yeah. This is the life he chose. He gave her the ability to become this person.
1: Right. And but I mean but, but she also took it. Like I mean we we find out very early on that she is not dumb. No, she she she, she has an engineering, engineering degree. Yeah, she actually worked for um she worked for IBM.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean like she is she is not stupid.
0: And but, she grew up poor, by the yeah, way.
1: But she has this disconnect because she got into this world and let the world take over that she never she didn't ground herself in reality at all, and she became caught up with like that that life is going to Mcdonald's in a limo yeah you well, know i mean and and eating two thousand dollar caviar for breakfast yeah and and so the idea that that she let how the real world Functions is what I have the most issue
0: with. Well the thing is, and I've known I've known people like Jackie. I I I grew up in an environment where there were a lot of people who had a significant amount of money, and sometimes you'll have somebody who who marries into that or comes into it late in life who did who grew up with very little. And that happens. I mean, this Jackie is not rare. And and basically what happens is you get into this environment and you you basically feel like you've been rescued like a princess yeah. in a tower and so now you you don't have to worry about the outside world because you have been you've been saved from it and so now you can live in this big kind of way because that's how rich people live and it's almost like you're playing rich because this is you know because what if you know what? If you're not looking rich enough, and yeah. so there there becomes that sort of insecurity about it, which is again that's why she does the procedures. And every time George says that thing about trading her in for two twenty year olds, I guarantee you, there's a part of her that thinks he's not he's not kidding. And I, so I got to get as much of this as I can while I can.
1: My wife commented on this as we were watching this. My wife makes the comment that she's pretty sure that as the movie gets goes on, her, Jackie's boobs get bigger. Like, like it doesn't ever <laughs> show those procedures, but. My wife's like, holy crap, how big are those going to get? Caroline
0: like, made a similar I mean, comment, yeah. Just
1: the fact that she's like, well, you know, I mean, I, I think maybe I need to make them as big as two 20-year-olds. Like, this <laughs> this girl is is so desperate that I think she's going to be left with nothing. I, I think she also thinks I got to do something to make sure that he doesn't leave me, and maybe this is what you want. Maybe so. And, uh,
0: yeah, I, it, I—, I because yeah. I do think
1: she would be screwed. I think she would be totally screwed if he decided to say, "You're out. I want somebody else." Yeah, because she wouldn't know how to function on her own, and she would then have seven kids plus a niece.
0: That's a nightmare. Although, although the niece the niece is grown and out of the house now. She she was 18 at the end of the movie. Oh, she so was? Okay. yeah, well, but, but I mean,
1: yeah, even her interactions with with the niece when she was like, "Hey, you killed your pet."
0: And the niece was like,
1: "You're just trying to make me feel bad." You know what? You should feel bad. You killed an animal. I thought
0: that exact same thing. And She's
1: like, "Nobody would take me to the pet store." Nobody needs to take you to the pet store to give a to give water to your lizard. Yeah.
0: And again, that is that's a conversation I know so many parents of teenage girls who have had almost exactly that conversation you know what i mean and so it's, where they're
1: trying to get onto to him they're like you're just trying to make me feel bad yeah like, they, they turn uh, it around
0: and they make it they trying to make themselves feel like the victim yes
1: yes and, i am trying to make you feel bad because what you did was terrible yeah
0: <laughs> and yeah and, and so i mean clearly jackie her her experience in parenting is is limited because she's been reliant on these housekeepers and so there are these moments where she has to like jump into the parenting role, and she has no idea what to do and yeah. she 's trying i mean god God bless her she 's trying but man it's it's going bad um well let's let's let 's jump over let 's do positives and negatives let's let's start with positives if you have any
1: i i mean I guess there's a few positive things in here there are some things that i, I think it i think in the fact that it does turn a mirror on its audience it will make you kind of look at your life and go okay how how, how do i do these things mm-hmm. and how can i change them because i don't want to be like these people yeah right like i don't i'm not the kind of person that i'm not the kind of person that thinks that you have to equal everything out and you give as much to charity as you take and like everything balances out but i did look at angie after this and go we got to give more to charity.
0: (laughs) Like we have to do more. So as, as a piece of art, this affected you.
1: Yes. I was like, we cannot, I don't ever want to be considered this and we're not rich by any means. But I looked at her and was like, we got to do something. Yes. We've got to, we have to to give more because this is ridiculous. Yeah, th- this and to th- make up for the seagulls' lack. Of giving,
0: <laughs> we have to
1: pick up the slack.
0: Yeah. And I that's that's what's so great about this movie. I feel like it it really confronts our overconsumption of all things. Like there's this great SNL sketch that happened um last semester la- uh, a few months ago and um it was it was basically these these people who write on Apple message boards about their iPhones not, not working and the people and so it was like these three people like these geek culture iphone people and then on the other side of the panel you have these three people from a factory in china who made <laughs> yeah. the iPhones and and so they're they're saying well Oh, you can't your your map doesn't work, so you can't find your way to to home from work. That's really too bad. I don't have that problem because I live where I work. Yeah. So, <laughs> I thought that. Did you see that sketch? No, I didn't. You need to. It, it's hilarious. it's great. You can find it on Hulu, and it's uh, and like you have the people, the Apple, the the complainers, like all, as the sketch goes on, feeling more and more uncomfortable. Like like I I really don't I don't have any more complaints. I'm I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I felt like this. This was another version of that. Of, yeah. of this, just like really, you're if, if you're if we are sitting here complaining about the things that we have about and like there, <laughs> this we need to be confronted sometimes, and we need to be shown. Like, do you realize how ridiculous you you look to other people as you overconsume and then feel entitled to that overconsumption? Yeah. Like, let's 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 take a step back, and I feel like this movie really does that well.
1: So I I I think that that does, and then it, it also. It also gave me one, I guess, kind of tip of financial advice that David Siegel is a smart guy. Uh, he talks about how he basically owes the bank $18 million. I mean, one, one of his loans is for $18 million. And he, I mean, the one thing that stuck with me is he, he paid a third party to go in and try and buy his loan, and he bought his own loan back. For, like, the bank had so little faith that he would pay it, mm-hmm. they were willing to sell that $18 million loan for $3 million. So he bought his own $18 million loan for $3 bucks, which is.
0: That's pretty shrewd.
1: Which is wonderful financial advice. If somebody yeah. owns you, go try and buy it out of them. Buy yourself yeah, out. Buy yourself yeah. out. And I mean, he had to, like, send somebody in there that didn't look, I mean, that they didn't realize was associated with him. So they wouldn't be like, no, you pay us $18
0: million. But, yeah.
1: I mean,
0: that was that's kind of genius. Yeah, I was yeah. like,
1: I was like, okay, you're a terrible person, but I can see why you're a billionaire. That's and, genius. And that's the thing is,
0: none of the characters in this movie are dumb. Like that's yeah. and that's something that we need to get away from really quickly. And I feel like they they try really hard to, to remind us of that a few times. Like 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 you said, Jackie has an engineering degree. David is a a billionaire by his own making, and yeah. he he knows how to turn a profit, and so he knows how to how to buy out debt, and so. Um, so yeah, I mean it, as many of the faults as these characters have, none of them are stupid. And so that that to me w- was a good – that needed to be shown. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Something – although something you did mention, part of the the lack of self-awareness and the entitlement, several, several times you have David and then by proxy you have Jackie saying something very similar of, oh, our lenders are just like l- like vultures. They're just waiting for – you know what I mean? Yeah. Let me tell you something. I grew up in banking culture. My My family – are i I come from a family of bankers Bankers don't want to take stuff away from you and lose money on it that's That's the thing that nobody seems to understand we, they blame we blame bankers for oh this property's coming you know it's going down in value, and the bankers are going to come and take it away. What a bunch of vultures yeah but when you when you went to the bank didn't you agree to pay a certain amount of money every month to keep that thing going right and <laughs> yeah. like isn't there this understanding of, of like like for example if someone were to buy a timeshare and then stop paying for it, wouldn 't you be like a vulture on them like trying to get your money yeah, exactly. and so and the thing and they keep blaming the bankers and the thing is bankers don 't want their investments to fail like there 's no banker in the world that 's like i 'm going to loan this guy money, and i can 't wait to take the property away from him no that 's terrible because the bank loses money. What the bank needs is for the seagulls to be making as much money as possible and to be paying their bills on time. That's what the bank needs. Yeah. And so when people blame banks for their lack of financial wisdom, it's ridiculous. I mean it's it's like kids who blame their parents when their when their pet dies, right. quite frankly. And so that's 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 my one rant that I wanted to go on that I feel like and and Jackie is just parroting what David says all the time. oh the yeah. bankers are just they're they're trying to get a, you know they're trying to destroy us. no the bankers are gonna in fact, there are some banks that to lose that eighteen million dollars would shut them down forever, yeah, and so like that's that is a massive loss, and so to to blame the bank for that is ridiculous
1: I mean the fact that the bank had so little faith that he was going to pay that loan that they just wrote it off they they just … said, look, we'll take a $15 million loss. They
0: ate $15 million just to get the three. Yeah. That is that is not a bank that's like, oh, you know, that's not mustache-twirling villains. That's people that are like, we're going to have to end up laying people off if we don't get something out of the seagulls. Right. So – Yeah, I
1: mean there are, there are people out there. The financial industry is not blameless. They did make certain loans that they knew people couldn't pay off and then turn around and sold those – those loans to other people. oh no yeah those I mean, those, like, those
0: people yeah the people who did that that's that's some pretty shady stuff i mean there
1: but, are there are definitely there are definitely some shady financial dealings that that went on out there but yeah for the most part like there are not just these there are not just these people who are who are sitting there going like oh i can't wait to foreclose on this home i can't
0: wait oh please. no
1: you know like that that's not that's not a good picture of them either
0: no. In fact I can I can tell you from an insider's perspective, it's awful to have to foreclose on a home. And it's awful to have to go and I mean, if you're if you're the person who made that loan, you don't want to have to go to the board of directors and say, I just lost you, you know, X number of dollars because I made a loan that wasn't good. Like right. that's that's a terrible moment. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. To, to assume that bankers like it when they have to foreclose on people is just—it's ridiculous. So, anyway, that's that's a whole side road, and we probably didn't even know to need to go down it. But let's do um, let's do negatives. So I'm, I'm sure you have you have a few things. Right, to I say. mean,
1: my negatives are the Siegel family. Um, <laughs>
0: like all the people <laughs> in this movie are ne- <laughs> They're just
1: terrible human beings in my eyes. I don't know. I like I I don't have. I don't have a problem with I think my biggest problem in in humanity is ignorance. And ignorance and stupidity are completely different. Ignorance is having the capability to understand and refusing to do so. W- willful, willful unknowing. Yeah. yeah. You not you not wanting to understand other people and you not wanting to understand what reality is that pisses me off more than any other characteristic yeah. of, of humans at all and so your inability to to understand and empathize with everyone else around you yeah so so i am i don't know that like i i don't know if i've said this on the podcast before but my biggest like literally the biggest pet peeve that i have are girls that act dumb that are not Mm. Because they feel like that for some reason or another, guys will like them.
0: Well, it's no wonder you didn't like this movie because yeah, that yeah. is Jackie's MO, yes. for and, sure. And,
1: and I know so many girls like that. And I see that even starting because I teach high school. I even see that, you know, in high school that there are some really smart girls that when they have really intelligent things to say, but then a certain guy that they like is around, and all of a sudden they become ditzy and. Oh, I didn't know that, and it's just, oh, it drives me nuts. I'm like, do not act stupid yeah. for a guy. Like, you be smart, and if he likes you because you're smart, then he likes you. Don't act stupid to get this guy. I
0: think we just got to the bottom of your hatred of this yes. movie because, yes. I mean, like like we said, this is, this is Jackie's yes. MO. This is, this, this is a woman is. who is smart. Who who feels like if if I reveal too much of who I really am, this guy's going to leave me for two twenty year olds by and probably, his own admission.
1: And I mean, I think that his ego is so big that he wants a he wants a dumb trophy. With oh, absolutely. Her. And she's not dumb, but then but she becomes she becomes ignorant. She hmm. becomes ignorant of the world around her, and that's what really starts to.
0: Well and he encourages that ignorance. Yes. Like this is a world that he's she lives in he is the god of her world and, yeah, and she she lives uh, she lives in whatever reality he allows her to believe she lives in.
1: So yeah I mean I I don't know that that is one of the most annoying things to me, and so I think that is why I hated this
0: movie. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, well, I mean I think that does probably get to the heart and soul of what you didn't like about this movie. Yeah. Um, to me, all, all my critiques are, are fairly minor. I There were a couple of times where I didn't really understand who certain characters were. Like Richard, it took me a really long time to figure out that that was David's son from his first marriage. Like, I feel like that's something they should have told us right off the bat.
1: I just – I I thought it was because they look so much alike.
0: Like, yeah, but I mean, as I
1: was looking at him, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're related. Like, so when he said it, it didn't bring me out of like it. It just was like, okay, yeah, I get that. But but the fact that and and there was something that I was like, there was something there was a disconnect between me because I was like, David Siegel is old. And yeah. And all of these other kids are really young, but he said early on he has some adult kids. So I'm thinking Yeah. This guy's one of his adult kids.
0: I just I needed a little bit more exposition yeah. than those guys look kind of similar and their voices are a little bit alike and they work for the same company. But um <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been it would have been helpful. And even like the only time it even confirms that there, there are two times that kind of subtly confirm that he's his dad, which is he says, "My dad and I don't talk very much," and then it shows he and David shaking hands, and then later at the Christmas party, um, Richard has his has his kid at the party, and he says, "Say hi to Grandma," and he's talking about yeah, Jackie, yeah. and so. Well, I um, mean, it
1: does do the whole part where he. I mean, he talks about his dad growing up and. Yeah. I mean that part confirms
0: it. Yeah, so. it it but but even so I thought, well I mean, that could have been somebody else. You know, and I I just needed I needed a little bit more confirmation cuz I suspected it, but it would have taken nothing at all for them to have and maybe I I was just look, not looking at the screen for them to say like have a little subtitle across the bottom that says Richard David's son. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that would have been pretty pretty easy. And maybe and if they did and i didn't see it then i apologize to the filmmakers for for not catching that but uh that was really subtle i thought um so other than, there were a couple of times that i thought it would it'd be nice to have a timestamp other than like the age of the kids you know Yeah. Which, like at one point the daughter's 12 and then later she's 14 like that that's i mean that's a good way to sort of mark time but I it's i mean
1: anytime that your film takes multiple years to to anytime your film takes multiple years to to actually get
0: made well especially if your film hovers around a specific thing in history like a recession yeah you know like that's like, like what you're saying
1: yeah and i mean there is a i i think i may have mentioned it earlier in in the podcast we see this recession hit we see them go down in the dumps but then by the end of the movie they've already recovered yeah like, i mean there are people buying timeshares again there are people like and that was David Siegel's biggest complaint with the movie is they didn't mention that. Yeah. They did not mention that – they mentioned that he had to sell his controlling stake within the Planet Hollywood Westgate. But they did not mention that, oh, yeah, by the way, they're pretty much back on track and they're still going to build Versailles.
0: Yeah. But – yeah. And, and – and... That, I, I get that that's a complaint that he would have because he would want everything right. the way he wants to see it, but okay. the thing is that's just not what the movie's about right. yeah. you know i mean every every documentary you can keep filming for another year and then get a whole different story sure and so the story here is how did these people react when they had everything, and then for a little while they didn't. And so, to, to me, that's the and, and there. I mean, obviously, even if you did film the later stuff, there's still some scars. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you've still got the things that the kids go, went through. You have all those laid off employees. You've got, I mean, that's that, and that's time. The, I, I would imagine he and Jackie are probably not better off for for having gone through that. Oh no! And so, like relationally, so I mean, even though it doesn't tell you, like, oh hey, by the way, this guy's back on top and he's awesome again. It doesn't. I mean. To me, that doesn't help the film. The film is about how do people respond when, when they have – when they overconsume and then all of a sudden they, they have nothing. So anyway, let's do ratings.
1: Um, my rating is obviously going to be pretty low um, because I, I dislike this so much. I'm going to have to give this uh, – and I, and I would have turned it off had we not been doing it for the podcast. So my rating is a one. Dude, we, yeah, this, this may be our
0: biggest disparity. I'm going to give it a nine. Wow! I love this. I'm going to. I'm going to. Um, I have another podcast that I do called Around the Wicket, where we do a recommendation every week. I'm going to hype this. Wow! On on Thursday, I really really love this movie. I feel like I would I would see it again. I, if I I may go back to it in a couple of years once we're farther away from the recession, mm-hmm. and and just just as a reminder of like, don't get too comfortable and don't don't have this don't don't believe that everything you have couldn't be taken away from you if the situation occurred you know what i mean yeah. and so to me this is a beautiful cautionary tale of of what that would look like
1: i just don't think i could stand jackie for another nine
0: minutes that would be the difficult Well, in and all the seagulls quite yeah. frankly but, i mean they're difficult people to spend this much time with even and again i i sympathize with jackie that doesn't mean i love spending time with these characters um but but i get her as a character i and and i do i i feel for her in a certain situation or in a, in a certain sense um
1: and, and i mean this isn't I do think that on some level, I'm ranking the documentary because I dislike the subject matter, and I think that that last week when I ranked "Chasing Ghosts" so high, yeah, it was because I loved the subject matter. And, yeah, that's interesting because those
0: characters are no more likable than right, the. Sequels. I
1: love that subject matter and was like fascinated with the subject matter as as opposed to like how the documentary was made and what story was told and that kind of thing. Yeah, and this week because i feel i feel that it's it's a little unfair for me to to rank the documentary so low because the subject but but it's so hard for me to separate what was done with the documentary and the subject that they chose to you.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, and that's—I mean, quite frankly, that's a major part. When you choose to watch a documentary, yeah. one of the things you're asking is, "Am I interested in this subject?" Yeah. You know, and and are these are these people that I want to learn more about? It's not like a fictional movie in that sense, because in a fictional movie, the subject matter is is secondary. The the, the thing that's you know the the thing that carries you are the characters and the plot and the you know yeah. the overall meaning of of whatever it is you're consuming. While with the documentary. The subject matter is is key, Un- unless it's in the hands of a really masterful craftsman. Like I'm trying to think of a of a documentary w- that we watched that I wasn't at all interested in the subject matter, yet it captivated me anyway, and I'm having a hard time. Maybe with... like Darkon. Darkon, maybe. But although I'm yeah. I'm fascinated enough with 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 that kind of underground subculture. <laughs> oh, Art. Sound and Fury. Okay. I yeah, mean yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's one that that I felt like you know that this transcends its subject matter. This is about something more.
1: You're not as interested in deaf culture, but the story that how they portrayed it the conflict was very yes. very interesting
0: yeah and and there have been a couple other and also on on the other side of that there have been movies where i'm not at all interested or I, i'm totally interested in the subject matter and yet i feel like they just totally dropped the ball yeah and so um and so the subject matter is important it, it maybe doesn't necessarily make or break a movie but it can and so it sounds like for you on this particular one it did yeah I
1: i i'm sorry i just i have a huge issue i mean like I think, as far as one thing, I, mean, I maybe I should have mentioned on the the positives. They call the movie "Queen of Versailles." Mm-hmm. The the movie, like they are building a house modeled after Versailles, and I even looked at Marie Antoinette. Like she is famous, probably wrongfully so, uh, historically inaccurate for saying uh, they don't have bread, let them eat cake, right? right? This idea behind. What these, these peasants are starving in the street? Well, if they don't have, they don't have bread. Why don't they just eat the cake? Right. right just they, the oblivious. They were completely. She was completely oblivious to what her people were doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that parodies Jackie to a T. Oh yeah. if I don't have this. Well, then why don't they just get their maids to do it? That's though?
0: a really. Good, th- this is the story of Marie Antoinette in a 21st century yeah, recession, and, and the yeah. fact
1: that she's building Versailles and all of this stuff coincides. And the next thing that we have to do is cut Jackie's head
0: off. Yeah, I mean, the that's, yeah. If I if I, I were the filmmakers that. watching this, like the the parallels and the, just the simplest the metaphor that just so easily just like offers itself up, I'd have been licking my chops. Like this is yeah. th- this documentary is making itself right yes. in front of my eyes, and so that um, yeah, that that was fascinating. So I'm sorry, I don't think did
1: you, you didn't rank, did you? Oh, yeah, I gave yeah, it a yeah, nine. nine, nine. Yeah, okay, so, we're sorry. way
0: over to we're almost to an hour. Oh, oh sorry. Th- no, we're we're good. I mean, I feel like this this. I mean, so even though you didn't like it, we still had a lot to talk about. Oh, I,
1: I can almost talk about something I dislike more than I can talk about something I like.
0: Yeah, the, I think. Yeah, I think the worst documentaries aren't the ones that are you know where we don't like the people or whatever. It's the ones where we come come over here and we're like, I don't really have anything to say. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's it is meh. yeah. I mean, it's, it's all right. Yeah. Built a house, but no. Th- this this to me had lots of layers and lots of stuff to talk about. So it was a good one, um, or not a good. One. I, either way, it made right. for a good conversation. Thing.
1: It's not that I'm going to tell people don't see
0: it. Right.
1: But you don't have to like it.
0: No, like, you don't. I mean,
1: I mean if you if, if if it interests you, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to like everything that you see. Like sometimes you can watch something and get mad about it. Maybe you should get mad about it. Yeah, maybe you should be upset with it. And this is, I think that, I would argue this is you, one of those
0: movies. This should make you mad.
1: Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't just not watch it.
0: Right. Right. Well, and, and like like you said, watching this movie made you more aware of your own interaction with like charity organizations right. and things like that. So this it affected you in a positive way.
1: Right. Like I I mean, I know this is kind of like a controversial saying, but I think every teenager should be forced to watch the uncut version of Requiem for a Dream. That is <laughs> that is a that is a ridiculous idea because of what it shows and it's not like an awesome movie and you're not like, "Woohoo, let's go watch it." But the message that it ultimately sends is so much more powerful because it, in no way, shape, or form, glorifies drug use. Right. It shows you some really harsh things on drug use.
0: Yeah, it's a cautionary tale.
1: But I wouldn't. I'm not going to rewatch Requiem. Like this isn't a movie that I watch a lot. Uh, it's well, a or like I, Schindler's List yeah, or Train Spotting or something see it like that. Once and I'm like, I'm glad that I've seen it, but I never want to see it again.
0: Yeah. Like going, it's like having a near death experience. Yeah, like I'm a better person for it. I really hope that never happens again. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, we we have exhaustively <laughs> talked about Queen of Versailles and all these uh, subsequent things. So uh, you can, you can see Queen of Versailles streaming on Netflix currently. So uh, be sure and check that out. If you've listened to this entire podcast and not seen it, you probably should have just been watching the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next – on our next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, one of the 2012 uh, Academy Award nominees for Best uh, Feature Documentary, and it's – Searching for Sugar Man? Yeah, Searching for Sugar Man. Okay, and you can get that either uh, on disc, on Netflix, or you can buy it on iTunes. I'm sure there's other ways to do yeah, it too. So it's just the it's ones not I not
1: streaming on Netflix.
0: Unfortunately. So anyway, we're going to try and watch a few of those nominees before the, the awards happen yeah. so we can talk about that a little bit. Thank you so much for listening to Real Movies Podcast. I'm Rob. This is John. We'll see you next time. I just do